Welcome back everyone to the Nowscast. I'm your host, Naus, and I have here today my good friend Black Phoenix, author of Forged to Resilience, a fantastic and nail-biting Avengers crossover with Harry Potter, and a new reflection, a riveting time travel story focused on the Black and Potter families in the 70s. Phoenix is also currently working on another crossover to be published that will go back to the MCU in hitherto untold ways. Thank you for joining us today, Phoenix. How are you? Uh, not too bad. Uh, a little tired, but um, it's been a, it's, looks like it's going to be a good day. What about you? I'm good, I'm good. Today is hot as hell, but yeah. So, uh, how old were you and how long did you did it take to you to get started with fanfiction as a reader? Oh, goodness. Um, so, I can tell you that my fan fiction account my first one anyway wasn't started up until like I was already an adult however I had found fan fiction probably when I was like 14 or so oh um yeah um it 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 was a long time before I was able to create an account but um I think yeah I was around 14 or so and I had started off I had just finished um, Inheritance by Christopher Paolini, uh-huh. and I had wanted. I, I was very. I love those books, but I was very disappointed by the ending. Uh-huh. And um, so I went in, and I wanted to find um, something to save my 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 taste for a better ending <laughs> and uh, a better, uh, a more sex- satisfying finish. Yeah, and I kind of stumbled on to fanfiction.net and um before i do it i was like addicted because it's um one of the best things about uh fanfiction is that you can change it in ways that most people would never think to change it yeah and because of that there are so many possibilities and well and while most writers aren't ever as good as a professional writer mm-hmm. there have been stories in each fandom that I find are actually better than the original. Um, and so, um, and, and the, that might sound, un, sound unusual, but, um, it happens. I definitely, it happens in every fandom. There are stories that I feel are better written or better told stories than whatever the original canon was. And I think that that's always a joy to find, try and find in each fandom. Okay. Um, and it took a while for you to jump from a reader to starting writing your own fanfics. Uh, so what made you jump from that, from reader um, to writer? In I think it's I think it was the same thing that happens to most fanfiction writers, which is we're not seeing enough of the stories we want to read. Uh-huh. Um, you know, like I wasn't. There were stories that I was reading, and I felt I can do this better, or I, you know, I can do this idea better, or I want to see something. Or I can do it. Uh, I said uh, you want to see something that no one uh, has written yet. So yeah. yeah, that no one has written yet, or um, at least it was written poorly. Yeah, like written poorly, or just a different take on something, because like. For example, you mentioned this upcoming crossover, and I think the best Harry Marvel crossover 
that is in the vein of what I would like to do is uh, Childhood Storm by um, is Childhood the Storm and a kid yeah. from Jack, the mm-hmm. author. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've heard me rant and rave about how good that story is and <laughs> sequel. Um, and like, I it's not that I think I could do it better than him. Uh, not at all. I think he's one of the best writers I've ever seen. However, I do think that I can do a, you know, I can do a different version, like a different take on that idea, and I think I can do it well. And like, um, and so yeah, uh, that's what inspired me. Um, all writers are copycats. Never let them tell you different. <laughs> <laughs> well, the highest form of praise of praise is, is yeah. plagiarism, and it's. It's funny because I started writing, I actually started writing poetry when I was about four years old, because I'm a romantic part, and what better way to uh, attract the ladies and the, and the guys than by, you know, serenading them with <laughs> your poetry. <laughs> and, um, and so I, I was a, I was a, I was writing poetry as I was 12, mm-hmm. and I have notebooks from the time I was like 13 or 14, because I'd already read Percy Jackson by then. And I had notebooks, uh, and I still have them somewhere. Uh, and they were just filled to the gills with stories oh. that I had written out. Um, so yeah, I was technically writing before I knew it was a thing. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, when you did decide to do the jumping, the, to start writing, uh, what was the thing you focused most? Uh, at first, and what do you what do you wish you knew at the time when you started, like that you know um, now? I so I had the mis- uh, when I first started writing. I started writing um, in the Aragon Inheritance Cycle, um, Hunger Games, and uh, uh, Percy Jackson fandoms, uh-huh. and. Uh, and this is with my old account. Uh, and when I was writing in those, um, I had, I was a much younger person and I was a much more ignorant person. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, it's not so much that there are things I wish I knew about writing, but I wish there were things that I had known about life. And like, um, just, I wasn't, I wasn't a, if you had met me a few those years ago, I wasn't very good person, um, you know. And I, there, I hate those stories now because now I look at them and I realize just how bad I was. Um, but, um, Everyone like, cringes at their own stories, right? And it's not like that it was bad writing. It's just that I, uh, you would have done things differently. Yes, yeah, so much. Um, for example, my first Percy Jackson book, I give. Uh, Percy a small harem and like <laughs> like whatever we now like I would never do that that's horrible like oh my god I can't believe that um and then the same thing happened with my Hunger Games story I uh uh which is funny because I was identified with Peta more than any other character in Hunger Games uh-huh. um which is really weird because I'm not as kind hearted as him I love but he Peter. is the I guess he's yeah I guess he's like the character I would want to emulate in real life if I was so good. I want to emulate Peter. He is uh, an ideal I think we should all strive for. Um, and he signed up <laughs> giving him uh, two uh, female characters and a pairing them to like, uh, 
now I look back and I'm like, oh my god, it's such a horrible thing. <laughs> I, I did that. I, I remember um, the first time I read uh, book three of Hunger Games. I cried for like a whole weekend oh, yeah. because of Peter and from... because of Katniss uh, turmoils. Especially when oh, she yeah. died, when Prim died. Oh my god. The Hunger Spoilers. <sighs> Ten years of spoilers, sorry. Snape killed Dumbledore, by the way. The Hunger Games trilogy is uh, so good. I love it so much. I And it's funny because my favorite book is Catching Fire. Um, I think it's the most... It's, it's, it has the weirdest pacing mm-hmm. of all three books, I feel. But it's also the one that I think tells the most dynamic story. Um, and without it being a war story, because Mockingjay is very much a war story, uh-huh. um, which neither of the first two books are, right? And I think in that capacity... The second's much more a romance than anything else, I it, feel. Yeah, it, it's a romance, and it's it's a letter. It, it's, a, it's almost... It reads like a love letter, and, it's, mm-hmm. and I love it. Um, and I like... And this is why I hate that movie so much. Like, as much as I love the book, I hate the movie. Just like there are things that happen in that book that I wish they had talked about more in the movie. The only f- even covered in the movie. The only things like, I liked. Thing- Sorry, go. Oh no, go ahead. The only things I liked about the movies were the soundtracks. <laughs> Honestly, okay. soundtracks were great, and I think. And don't get me wrong. I think the casting for Peta and Hamish were amazing. Oh, I don't think anyone could sure. admit that. It- then, then Effie uh, as well. He's wonderful. Effie and President Snow. Like it's a fucking amazing cast. It's just the movie's boring. <laughs> I want to kill myself yeah, watching. I think. Oh, and don't get me started. I'm gonna go there. <laughs> Come on, but, yeah. I laugh. I, I laugh, but I remember at the time. Uh, and, and Mags. Mags is great. Um, they the casting for Mags. I don't remember who is it. Uh, I don't remember her name either, but she was this wonderful old lady, and I remember watching Mags on screen and just thinking, she is the grandmother that we all wish we had, but no one deserves. Um, <laughs> and I remember in the books, Hamish kind of alludes to the idea that uh, that Mags kind of helped raise Finnick post the games. Uh-huh. And, um, and so, like, there's just this extra meaning to when she dies because it's very much a mother's sacrifice for her son. Yeah. Right? Um, and it, and it it's reads and plays out differently in books than it does in the movie because in the movie you don't get that connection. Yeah. You don't she just, see that. She died. Oh, bad. Too bad. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but in the, in the books it's like you know that she was like his mother. You know, she... You know, she took care of him post the games. Like mm-hmm. this, is, and it and it and it really draw. It, what I really like about their relationship is it kind of shows you what Hamish and Katniss and Peter's relationship could have been like years down the line, uh, in a in a world where the where the rebellion never happens because it's very much this idea that the mentor kind of becomes a lifeline for younger generations. Yes, um, and I and I really like it. Um, there's this series of fan fictions and I can't remember the name for the life of me. Um and it's all about the District Two victors and this oh. kind of family that they've built. 
uh, around each other and how they protect each other and love each other. And just kind of like the whole, from right before the 74 Tiger Games and through the war, and it's just kind of like told from their point of view. And it's just so good because it really kind of draws attention to this idea, this relationship between mentor and, you know, this connection between being a mentor and also like being a parent mm-hmm. and a guide and a friend um, for someone who's just been through something horribly traumatic, right? Like, I think the song we all kind of forget is that the Hunger Games are horribly traumatic events. Yeah. Um, we take it with, uh, you know, it's like, like, we are very desensitized about it, but it's horrible. Same for Harry Potter. Yeah. Like, no, for sure. Like, the things that happen in Harry Potter, like, there are some horrible things that happen. Yeah. But, but we kind of just kind of brush it off because we don't really realize. Like, I was. I think I was both fortunate and unfortunate that I didn't meet Harry Potter until I was an adult. Oh, um, wow. So, so right. Uh, so because of that, I had, from the beginning, like, when I read chapter one, and I, or chapter one, I can't remember, I think it's like chapter one or chapter two of the first book, and I see uh, Albus dropping this child off in front of someone's house, and, like, Minerva's like, no, these are the worst muggles you could imagine. Like, why would you do this? Like, this is a horrible idea. Uh-huh. And, like, for me, as an adult reading that, I was horrified. Yeah. So I never liked, I never liked Alice Summerbrook's character. Huh. Um, Explains how you right? use him um, whenever you do write him. Right, and, like, I don't think he's a bad character. I, think, I don't even think he's a bad person. You, don't, I, you just don't like him as a person. Yeah, like, I think... Albus is the idea. Albus is the image personified of power corrupts. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's not that even that he's a bad person or that he's been corrupted into a bad person, but he has so much power that he misses. He sees the forest, but misses the trees. Yep. Right. Um, and I think one of the things we talked about in this new crossover is how someone like the ancient one, she sees the whole forest, but she also sees the trees. Um, you know and but Albus, he has so much wisdom and so much age that he's still just seeing the forest and he's missing the tree, he's missing the individual, right? Um, yeah. And or even if he sees the individual, he doesn't care much to... because he needs the forest to grow. Right. Basically. And um, we see this happen in book five when he says, "I knew, you know, he's you're he gonna face a him. horrible future." That he was going to face a horrible childhood and, you know, horrible life. But it's like, and I'm sure, and I'm sure that in that moment, Albus was very contrite and it hurt. But it's still like, this is a child you're doing this for, too. Like, Harry is a child. Yeah. Um, and no child should ever be put in that position. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that sorry, was a. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit of a big segue uh, uh, in a different tangent, but okay. Uh, let's go back to it. Has any of your professional or academic experience helped you in any way uh, as far as writing goes? Um, I, I would actually say it's the opposite. Um, my drive to write well, um, because I've always been a big reader, and so um, I... Um, very fortunate to have a very wide vocabulary. Doesn't seem like it all the time, but I do. And I 
like to write, um, and I've always liked to write things, um, stories and articles and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I find that writing in fan fiction uh, actually helped me a lot with my academic writing. Oh, that's um, nice. Yeah, believe it or not. Um, uh, especially because I started writing before I went into college. Uh-huh. Uh, and by the time I went to university, I knew how to craft a paragraph. <laughs> I, you know, like I, I, I knew where do commas go? Where, like, where do periods go? Like, I, you know, um, you know, when's the best use for like a semicolon or a colon? Like, you know, mm-hmm. like all these little things. Like I kind of already kind of knew going into university, which is very nice when you can write, you know, 10 page essays. Um, <laughs> True. That, that actually, that also helped me a lot as well. Although like, it's a bit different that- with, our, uh, with Portuguese, like we have different rules, but yeah. usually it's, it's the same thing. Right, exactly. Because like, here's the thing with fan fiction: when you write, when you write a five, six thousand word chapter, that's ten pages, single space, easy. You right? basically don't like, even notice. Like you don't notice. So like, when you're writing a paper, it's very easy to get ten pages double space because it's like, oh, I've done this before. This is this is nothing. Yeah. Um, so it sure I, softens I the blow. It, yeah, it softens the blow, for sure. Um, uh, what is your process for? Uh, defining what is a good idea, a good enough idea to keep or not, and how do you come up with new ideas? Do you have so, vaults of ideas that you keep? Right, uh, I have, I have a giant drive folder, Google Drive folder, just filled to the brim with story ideas I would like to do one day or not. And I find so one is one of the first things I look at is has it been done before. Mm-hmm. Uh, or a similar idea been done before, and has it been done well? Uh, for example, how, uh, Slytherin actually, as well, and yeah, and how has it been done? Because, like, for example, uh, I wouldn't want to write a long uh, Slytherin Harry fic because I feel that it's been done uh, by you know this this sinister man. It's been done by. Uh, Ace one ACI one hundred, mm-hmm. um, and it's been done by uh, Septimus Prince, and like all three of them have done it well in varying capacities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and like I feel like I have nothing more to add to, add, to yeah. that genre, right? To, to that subset of fiction, I don't have anything to add to that. That's right? not really so true, like, but I get why you why you'd say because everyone has a unique point of view of something. So anything you write would eventually become well, different enough. But I understand why you'd say that. Because yeah. they like, I don't want to write they already explored a lot, so Yeah, I, they've explored a lot and so like there I feel like if I were to go that route there's I you know, there's 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 being a copycat and then there's kinda like what's the last thing I wanna Yeah, right, and then there's being inspired and I would rather be inspired than just be a plain up copycat. The problem is, is when you're writing a something like Slytherin Harry Bay, um, there are a lot of things that have already been covered. Yeah. Um, and now, don't get me wrong, I do have an idea for, I think, something that could work with Slytherin Harry, because I think one thing that hasn't been talked about is this idea that I think you can write a, I think you can write a Slytherin Harry or a wrong boy who lives story without making his parents or his family seem like, you know, buttholes. Yeah, you know, I feel like you can, 
I feel that there is a way that you can write a story where Harry goes into Slytherin and it's not, you know, man, his family are horrible people. The, you know, like, it, there's an old one that I loved that does that fairly well, but it's completely uh, AU, I think it's called. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I think it's called Fraterculus. And oh, like, nice. he, it's basically his three older than his older brother. And, Jesus. Then his younger brother, and the younger brother is the boy who lived. So, like, he goes mm-hmm. to Slytherin to basically set the field uh, to prepare uh, for the war that's coming to help his brother and his family out. So, like, it's completely different than the usual uh, long boy who lived fits with Slytherin I think, and Harry. Yeah, and I think um, so. I, I mean, in general, I guess to decide what's a good idea to keep. Uh, a lot of it comes down to who's done it, where's it been done before, how's it been done, mm-hmm. um, you know, is the trope overwritten, you know, um, and like, or, you know, I think, for example, I would like to write a, um, and I think you know this, I want to write a triad fix, um, mm-hmm. um, and one of the things I was mulling over in my head was is the fact that there isn't a complete triad fic with the specific characters I want to use, there isn't one that has been completed. There's one that's been done really, really well. Um, and, Which one? But it's, it was never completed. I I, I want to say it's Adversity Breeds Excellence. Oh, um, yes, yes. That that's that, that was... It's, yep. it's one of it's the Fleur and Tonks. Greatest, yeah, it's one of the greatest stories um, that I've ever read, and I've enjoyed it so, so much. Yeah, it's really but, good. like... It was never done. It was never completed. Mm-hmm. And um, so, like, I think, and I think that there is a route where you can write Harry Fleur Thompson and it doesn't feel contrived. Um, and so I feel like I have a good path laid forward for me. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's for how to, how to come up with ideas. A lot of it is inspiration, right? Like, a lot of it is you read something that's like, oh, I could do this better, or, ooh, I haven't seen this done yet. Um, I want to do uh, this. For example, I, you know, I for example, there's uh, a Star Wars Harry crossover, Harry Potter crossover that I need to kind of look at and um, and do, and it's way down the road for sure. Mm-hmm. Whenever get around to it, like, like that's something I feel like, oh, I haven't seen it done this way. I think it would be really good. I'm gonna keep this in my back pocket. Um, and then <sighs> and then there's a lot of ideas where like, okay, this won't make a good long story. But maybe this might be a good short story or a good one shot, and so I have like a little folder for those too. Like I might do these as one shots or short stories the other, another one day because I feel like they'd be better in this format than in a longer story. I see. Okay, makes sense. Uh, do you brainstorm, and how many hours uh, do you spend doing that? If you do that, okay. if you do do that. Uh-huh. So once I come up with an idea, um, I start with either a fic, uh, I either start with a uh, document with either like an outline mm-hmm. or like, or, um, or just like a list of ideas of things I would like to hit or cover in a story. Oh, um, sorry to cut you, because like I just thought of something. Uh, do you outline or are you a discovery writer? And uh, for uh, those who don't know, sure. Can you explain to the audience, please? Uh, 
which is so rich. an outliner is so an outliner is exactly what it sounds like. Someone you know writes out an outline um, and uses that to guide their story. Then there's a discovery writer where you kind of come in with a general idea of knowing what you want to do, but then kind of leaving everything to kind of come as it comes. And I would say I'm actually a mix of the two. Uh, for example, I have outlined and plotted out all of uh, a new reflection, uh, uh, a new reflection, mm-hmm. and I have um, I've plotted it all out. I know how it's going to end and everything. Um, and I know what's going to happen in each chapter, but even in my first chapter, in chapter 8, uh, in this most recent chapter, I finished writing this chapter, and I started chapter 9, and it's in a completely different spot than what I had originally planned for chapter 9, right? Um, so, at the, I like having an outline for, like, a guide. However, I don't believe that one should be stringently held in to that. Sure. Like, you shouldn't like you should allow for flexibility. It's a guide, not a, not a. It's a guide, not, you know. Um, a rule book. I think it's good to have an outline. It's a good way to like have a general list of ideas and stuff that you want to cover in your story and scenes that you want to cover. Um, for example, like a new reflection. Mm-hmm. The basis for almost the entire story is a scene that is only going to happen in the epilogue. <laughs> right? Like yeah, um, uh, rolls ahead. That like same I thing. Can, I came in. I came into that story knowing, okay, this is how this story is going to end, and this is the scene it's going to end with, and everything else is just kind of like lead up, right? <laughs> um, and in, in that, you have to craft a good story, which is, is very difficult. No one, and if anyone tells you different, they're an idiot. Um, but yeah, so. Um, what is your writing process and? How many hours do you actually spend writing instead of just thinking or plotting? Oh God, I actually, in comparison to the right to the plotting and uh, brainstorming, I spend very little time writing. Um, uh, as you know, I write in bursts um, mm-hmm. and kind of come and go. I can, and you've seen me do this before. I can hit out a six, seven thousand word chapter. Yeah. And can hit it out in like you know six or seven hours, and it's done. And it's like okay, and and probably for like a week or two before that, I was thinking, okay, how do I want to do this? How do I want to do that? You know, I might not even be writing anything down, but I'm thinking about you know all these things I want to do. And then when the day comes, I'm like something kind of hit me, and I would just be like da 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 da. You know, before you know it, the chapter's done. (laughs) (laughs) And and I don't know how everyone else does it, but that's always oh how it's always been for me. I just I just kind of the the amount of time I actually spend writing is very little in comparison to everything else. But it's still substantial if you think about but it. Yeah, it's substantial because more, more often than not, it's a full day's work. Yeah, um, and it's, it's not, tiring as well. Oh, it can be. Although one in, this happened one time, I wrote eight thousand words. Jesus. Right, in like the course of like twelve hours, I slept for six hours. My uh, hands would have, my hands would have fall over by then. I write two no, K words and they burn. It gets worse. Oh, it God. gets worse. I slept for six hours, and I wrote another six thousand word chapter like right after. 
like, like I was just, it was one of those moments where I was, I was on a roll and yeah. I wasn't going to be stopped. And you just, were on the zone. Uh, I was in the zone. And when you're in the zone, it's like, and it's where we say in the zone. Like, mm-hmm. It's a real thing. It's like you're, you've shut everything else out. Everything else is not important. The only thing important is that document in front of you and you kind of hit this place where words can't stop coming. Um, and before you know it, you've written more than you can imagine. That's, <laughs> that's, it's that's it's exhausting. Yeah, it, it's a very exhausting, but it's also one of the best feelings. So <laughs> it's also one of the best feelings to look at it when it comes and say, I did this. This was me. Um, so, yeah. That's awesome. Do you usually play some songs while uh, while writing? Or... Oh yes, uh, music is a music is a necessity. Um, if for no other reason, it tunes everything else out. Yeah. Um, I like a lot of instrumental music. I like a lot of um, not EDM, but like I guess it's EDM. I don't know. Uh, I like a, like a lot of lo-fi music. Like, yeah, I love lo-fi. Oh my I god, like, it's so good. I, I don't I don't like a lot of lyrical songs. I mean, don't get me wrong, I do. I have lots of them. But, but not like, while writing. While writing, I prefer to kind of just hit this area where the only thing where the only thing in my brain is my thoughts and the music of the universe. It's kind of like... Um, yeah, no, and just kind the of... The zone, basically. That's, that's the zone, right? how like, it's described. Oh, yeah. Um, how many hours do you spend researching? And what do you consider uh, research of worthy? Oh no, research is probably the biggest consumption of time. Oh. Um, yeah, uh, I think I couldn't even quantify how many hours because it's well over 40 a week that, that, that I can spend on it. Um, and I consider everything research worthy. Um, like, when one of the things about, especially when you're writing in, in a fandom like Harry Potter, mm-hmm. one of the things is world building, right? Like, this is, you know, a lot of what J.K. Rowling gives us in the books is a lot of framework, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that we kind of have a good idea of what the world of Harry Potter looks like. But it's not it's not filled in, and there's a lot of things that need filling in. Um, and and you can so I play a lot with it. Yeah, right. There's a lot of things that the author has, the writer has to do by themselves, um, and and especially. Like a new reflection is a uh, is an AU because we know that there are not we know that there are no lordships in Harry Potter. Um, we know that there are no that there are a lot of things in that story that just don't bear weight in in the actual canon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so, but you still want to get as much right as you can. So you're always doing research on things to make the world feel real, make it feel immersive. Um, and, you know, so I'm always, research is one of the biggest things I'm always doing. Um, and especially, and even, and especially more so for the crossovers I'm working on, because yeah. in, in the those, world is huge, much huger than the world. Much, the world is either much bigger or you have thrown someone into a whole new experience. And so, you know, there's a lot of things that you need to cover. Yeah, and figure out like uh, butterfly effects as well. Like, how does one person sure. getting stuck in a completely different world will change the uh, preset world? 
So, yeah. Um, you've co-written before with someone else. Uh, can you tell us how it was how that experience was and the challenges that comes with that dynamic? Both Renerance and I have very busy lives. Mm -hmm. um, so the writing is always very slow. And more often than not, it's kind of come, a new chapter comes along when the inspiration hits the two of us at the right time. And we just happen to have some spare time. And even then, we, we always write at different times because uh, what might happen, and this has happened for all of our chapters, is I might write pretty much the bare bones of the whole chapter. Mm -hmm. And then veterans will come in behind me and do a lot of fill up and a lot of, you know, patching and editing and, and putting things here or rewriting entire scenes to oh. make it flow better. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and the same, the vice versa has happened. He's written the bare bones of the chapter and I've gone in behind him and added my own, you know, little flavoring to it. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's complex and frustrating because we're so busy that there's not always time to work on it, and which is rough when the mood hits and you're like, oh, I want to work on the story. Maybe not the best time, and, right? And then, but it's also a lot of fun. Like, I've enjoyed working with Venerin so much, and um, I'm going to be working. Uh, I uh, I've seen our. Uh, you saw the server merger on Discord. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to be working with uh, Secondus Prince on a few stories, and we have a few stories uh, like plotted out and everything. And it's going to be so much fun. Uh, it, we have so many good ideas, and I think that it'll be fun to work together because we're um, we both love these fandoms so much. Um, mm -hmm. Not just Harry Potter, some of the other ones we'll be working in. Um, I can. Hopefully they don't kill me for this. Uh, for revealing this, um, we have uh, a Percy Jackson pick plan. Oh. And we also have it uh, right, and we also have uh, a Percy Jackson Frozen crossover. Um, oh, Frozen in the works. How? <laughs> yeah, right. That's something you think would work, but we uh, interesting. We got. I love Percy Jackson, guys... but it's so rare to find good uh, right, Percy Jackson picks. We got hit by uh, we got hit by a piece of inspiration, and we just kind of ran with it. Um, and then the same thing for me and Apple Apple, um, we're working on something together. Um, oh, right. Um, and that that uh, it's slow going because both of us are super busy people. Mm -hmm. um, but um, that's also been like fun to just the conversations that Apple Apples and I have had about this story like just talking about it is so much fun <laughs> what fandom uh, we, that we one spend, uh, I'm assuming we can, we can spend how what fandom for apples uh, uh, when we say Percy Jackson ooh, yeah ooh, that's interesting never saw Percy Jackson it, from uh, apples uh, right apples wanted to he wanted to go into that kind of stuff and so we're like and so we just kind of went through it, and it was uh, right, and um, mm -hmm. and we've got so many things planned for that because that's that's a complete AU kind of thing. It's uh, it's it's gonna be fun. It's been great. Sounds amazing. Um, mm -hmm. you've been writing, talking about crossovers and stuff. 
you've been writing crossovers for almost two years now and years or more i don't know uh, i'm not sure mm -hmm. and you're starting a new one do you think it's more or less complex to focus on just one fandom and how do you choose which one you want to focus mostly on so that's a conflict that's actually a more complicated question than you might imagine oh um, <laughs> i'm sure it's very complicated <laughs> um so there are typically two types of crossovers um there is one there's the type of crossover where both universes or multiple depending on where you what you choose to do with it um all exist in one shared universe mm -hmm. right um there's that kind of crossover which is usually clusterfuck yeah it, it's, it's a huge mess but it can be so rewarding yes um for sure after the storm for example is this amazing just mesh of worlds and it's easily one of the most amazing experiences i've ever been on and i will continue to praise Charlie's <laughs> home for the day i die because that that story and its sequel are just so good um that said mm -hmm. then there's the other kind of crossover and that's kind of what forced the resilience was which was where you take what I call a plucky character. You, a plucky character is a character that you can just pull out from the fandom, mm -hmm. from their, their world, in, and you can throw... In most cases, it's the MC. Most cases, it's the MC. Um, and you can throw them into any other universe. Which is my favorite kind of crossovers. Right? Um, like, uh, Force Resilience, I literally pulled... Uh, Harry out of the Harry Potter universe, and I threw him into the MCU just to see what would happen. Um, and that's what Venerance and I did. And um, like, it's that's so a lot of fun. And, I miss it so much. And, and so the answer to the question, to the second question, really depends on which type of crossover you're writing. Um, if you're writing a crossover where you just take a character and pluck them out of one and throw them into the other, then you can kind of just focus on that second fandom. Right, mm -hmm. um, because a lot of almost all your time is really spent in that world and building and developing that world, and how your main characters appearance in that it. world mm -hmm. adapts to it and changes things and interacts with any world. Um, Basically, all then, you have to care about the previous one is background story for the main character. It, right, right. Um, I think uh, it's not a great story, but I, I'll say uh, like Wizard Room Master did those uh, by Plums. Uh, where they plucked Harry Potter and threw him into like the World of Warcraft series, oh. if I recall correctly. Never right? read them. And then uh, it, I'm not going to recommend it because it, there's a lot of issues with it. Um, it's also very explicit, so there's that. Mm -hmm. um, but like that was one take on it. And then the another one that I really liked was Harry Potter Death, um, that took Harry and took him from Harry Potter and threw him in the Mass Effect cool. universe. And oh. that was, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. Oh my god! Um, that sounds very odd, that's a lot of fun. but very interesting. It, 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 it's it's odd, and it's not something you think would work, but it does. And part of the reason, part of that comes from the fact that characters like Harry Potter and Percy Jackson are kind of universal characters, mm -hmm. right? You can take them and put them in, the, and the same thing is true with Naruto and the story. I mean. Naruto crossovers I don't like Naruto, but for you know Me neither. one of the reasons why I have, one of the reasons why he has so many Naruto crossovers is because uh 
He's easy to play with, basically. He's easy to play with. You can take him and put him into any situation, and he's going to adapt. He's going to survive. Same is true with Harry Potter, and same is true with Percy. Like, these are characters that you can just take from any... You can take from them and throw them wherever you want, and nine times out of ten, they it's going to work, work. Because yeah. of the characters that they are, and how they are, um, and how they can adapt, and how they can... And the decisions that they're going to make are just... So, I think... They are reliably like, obvious in how they yeah, think, okay. so you always know what you get. Unless you want to go for I something completely different, but still. For sure, for sure. And then, and then the other one is, um, but for the for the larger crossovers where you are literally making a shared universe, mm -hmm. um, I find that it is definitely more complex. Um, however, I think it's more fun. Uh, the world building alone is so immense. Um, yeah. This this latest project that I'm working on. You know, I've been working on for like nearly a year, if not more, and mm -hmm. um, and it's been something that I constantly bring up because well, part of the reason I took so long to kind of really get into the meat and bones. It's massive. It's it's huge. massive. This is this massive universe, and like Harry Potter is a small universe, but it's also not. Uh, it's very rich by the short amount of short. Mm. Yeah, it's very very dense. Yeah, um, for its size. And you can, to, to, to say that you have the Harry Potter universe and the Marvel universe, not even the MCU, which, which kind of restricts what you're working with, but no, you're going to just put it all in this one massive shared universe. Mm -hmm. And it's, it, there is so much groundwork that has to be done yeah. um, for it to work. And it's, been one of the funnest experiences of, because my, of my time I, I has think been the story because I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons I think they are so harder, so much harder than regular fandoms, single fandoms, it's because you can't assume people will know the other fandoms. So you kind of have to right. showcase some or explain some of the of the yeah. There's uh, a lot of things inside which fan, each and, fandom. Yeah, there's a lot of groundwork that needs to be done. Um, so yeah, especially, especially if you're like me, and I'm not even going for something as simple as like the Avengers. Um, in my crossover, in my big two universe crossover, I'm going for uh, the idea uh, for working with like mutants and stuff, mm -hmm. and that that adds a whole layer of complexity to who Harry's character is and what he has to deal with. Growing up, and as you know, that story starts off with a really tragic incident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, so you have this young kid who's already going in with a lot of trauma, mm -hmm. um, and now he's thrust into this wider universe that has been spurred on by his trauma and by the traumatic event, and now he's got to live in it. And as Harry Potter does. Um, the world kind of bends and twists when he's around. Mm -hmm. um, he draws trouble like a magnet. And, of course. You know, um, and so that's been really fun to play with. Um, for sure. And then I think one of the greater, one of the most fun things for me is that putting Harry into a wider Marvel universe also allows me to build 
parental relationships with different characters mm-hmm. um, that just aren't really available to me in the in the Harry Potter universe because you know at, at the at the point where I started the story, you know Remus is still off on the hunt on the run, mm-hmm. um, Sirius is still in prison, um, so Harry has just gone through this really traumatic event, and, and he has no one. And if it was in canon, he wouldn't have no one to rely on. But in my story, I can give him people to rely on. Uh, one of the things that uh, me and Menildor were talking about the other day, mm-hmm. uh, a while back, was just, just how different Charles Xavier is to Dumbledore. Yeah, And yeah, why sure. that allows Charles Xavier to be a better mentor slash father figure mm-hmm. for someone like Harry, who's been through so much. Um, and who better than a psychologist? Because that's, cause that's one of uh, Charles's ex- areas of expertise. Who better than a psychologist to kind of help de- help him deal with some of the trauma that he's been through? Charles, and, Charles and Xavier is a way. psychologist. Yes. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, I, that's awesome. Uh, it was it was his field of study because of <laughs> makes <trauma>. sense, <laughs> right? Like it was it was great. Um, it's one of the greatest things about Xavier is that he is uniquely suited to helping people deal with, with their trauma. trauma and their issues um, better than almost anyone in Marvel canon and um, except for maybe like the ancient one uh, in the MCU um, and just wonderfully adept at you know plucking out people's problems and saying mm-hmm. here's a way forward um, which is what someone like Carrie needs he needs especially after what happened Right, and especially he needs a special hand, and it's something that no one at Hogwarts can give him. Um, Most definitely not Dumbledore. So, right, exactly. And so, in, in a way, his trauma has opened up a path for a better life. Uh, Which sucks him. soon off, like to imagine. Like it, it's yeah. horrible. Yeah. But there's like a. I would say there's a silver lining. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. To, to, to how bad the things start off. <laughs> for sure. Um, time travel, it, like uh, we talked about the crossovers and the other fanfics you're writing is time travel. And I know you love that, that trope. So uh, it it's a very complex genre uh, because of the butterfly effect and several paradoxes and, well, many things that can go wrong in a time travel. In your opinion, which are the aspects one should look out for uh, when you're writing that sort of trope? And what do you think makes it for a good time travel story? And what is your favorite one? Um, so... Another complicated question. I love it. Um, <laughs> there are two types of time travel. There's the one that you take to fix someone else's time travel mess up. Mm-hmm. And then there's the one that you take to fix something, to change something in the past. Right? Um, you either go in the past to change something, right, uh, from how it wasn't originally, or you go back to fix someone else's mistake. Um uh, someone else's time travel mistake, right? To mm-hmm. uh, 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 as to say, how do we say, to make the timeline right, right? Um, okay. Right. So those are the two kind of ways you go. In one of those, 
you have to worry more about the butterfly effects and the paradoxes. And that's if you're going to back to fix someone else's mistake. The thing is, is the whole point of time travel, and the only reason I feel it should be used, is to change past events. Mm-hmm. Because if you're just going to throw someone into a past event, but you're not going to have them change, change anything. anything. It's annoying. At you least know, for me. Then what's the point of having them there? Yeah. Right? There's no need for them to be there. In fact, you could take them out and just tell that story, and it'd be a better story. Because it would have not have the complexities of time travel attached to it. Um, and this is one of the things that happens with a new reflection. Harry gets thrown into the past, and there's no way back. Mm-hmm. Stuck there. And so the only logical thing for him to do is to build a life for himself and to do what he can to prevent some of the bad things that happened um, in his original timeline. Because there's no going back. Right, so the only way is forward. Yeah. Um, right. Um, yeah. Um, as for what makes a good time travel story, basically, my preferred ones are the ones that ignore paradoxes, mm-hmm. um, because it's like there's really not a need for them, because the whole thing with the paradox is saying that um, time is fixed. Is, yeah, right. Is that time is fixed, and that's kind of boring. <laughs> it's, it's boring, and it's also kind of stupid if you think about it in the long run. If you're gonna write, it's got a time closed travel, loop. Like, there's no need to do something yeah. because it's already being done. So why do it? Why do you do it in the first place? It's like the only, it's like the only place where I think the closed loop was done quite well uh, is not even in a story. It's in the movie. Was in the Avengers. Uh, Endgame. Last move. Yeah, and Endgame was, you know, like, yes, it was a closed loop, but it they were still able to change time. Like, they, like, they were still yep. able to fix it. Right? Like, and it was done in a way that didn't seem too contrived, which I appreciate. Yep. Um, you know, and so, like, but other than that, like, one of the, like, I love Back to the Future trilogy. I love them. Me but too. it's also like, it's... but it's also like, <laughs> It's kind of stupid yeah. that you would expect for someone to go back in the past and not change anything, and everything has to be like that's not how life works, right? Um, and so I think um, one of the um, uh, yeah, so there. That's my answer. It's complicated. Um, and your favorite? Uh, uh, my favorite. Uh, I have so many, um, and they're all by <laughs> hilariously enough. Um, all except like one or two are by Apple Apples. Um, Apple Apples is easily the best time travel writer, I think, in all of fan fiction. I love um, your stories. I have yet to see anyone who does it better than they do. Um, and um, then the other one that isn't there is probably Passageways. Uh, oh, the Bellatrix is, one, I think. Yeah, because I think it, it plays off the idea of the paradox really well. Yeah, um, yeah, I love that one. I wish it was completed. I think because you have you have a universe that is literally you get to watch Harry Potter's canon universe literally change mm-hmm. as the past is changed, and as more things in the past change, more things in the future change, change. and it's really good. It's really nice. Like I, yeah, I and I love and I, I know it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I one of my favorite stories. I I quite like that one as well. 
Uh, speaking of favorite things, uh, which are your favorite characters and pairings and why? And what makes you love them? Yeah. Specifically in the Harry Potter universe or... In general. Pick in like general, two um, of each, maybe. Okay, um, I'll just hit a few. Um, Peter is my favorite Hunter Games character. Um, mm-hmm. He is... I don't know I love Katniss, and I love Hamish. Hamish is so good. I love um, Hamish. I think Hamish is one of my favorite supporting characters ever written because um, he's very um, cynical, he's, he's, hilarious, he's cynical. He's everything. He is everything that a mentor character who's been through trauma kind of should be like, mm-hmm. right? Like, like one of the things that I love about him is the realism of his trauma. Yeah, and the things he's gone through, right? Having him being alcoholic was one of the best story choices, I think, um, for his character, um, because like there, it, it adds this realism in this layer that know, he didn't come out scathed, unscathed. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, and it would have been one thing for him to come out with like scars or one thing, but it's a whole another to kind of really layer in that mental trauma that he went through and. Have him come out as an alcoholic after everything happens to him and his family, and be like, "This is a flawed character. This is a flawed man, but he's still such a good man, mm-hmm. right?" Like, and that's one of the reasons why I love him. And then, of course, I love Peter. Peter is just, and I didn't mention this earlier. He's an ideal, which we should all strive towards. Um, you know, and you know, his character is one of the best. He has one of the best character arcs in fiction, um, and I don't think anyone can tell me different. And <laughs> me. As a, um, I have a shirt that says, I may be wrong, but I doubt it. And that's the statement I'm going to apply to. Um, <laughs> um, uh, let me read. Um, Aragon. Oh my god. The, who doesn't love the teenage boy with the dragon? Like, as, as a guy and as someone who read that as a young kid, like, my dreams were filled with flying dragons. Because yeah, of Aragon. Me too. And, and, um, he was, he was a vessel. For all my childhood childhood dreams, and I loved his character so much, and the growth that he grows through in the last two books—it's amazing. Hard inside. I must have hard. reread the last two books so many times. Um, it's funny. I love Eldest because it's the one that kind of plays into the romance the most. Mm-hmm. But, but I think one of the best scenes that ever happened was uh, Aragon and Arya outside of Dressleona. And they're kind of like drunken night together. And like, when I say that, it sounds like they did something horrible. But no, uh, they go and they're drinking and having fun. And you get to see the intimacy of their friendship. Yep. And like, that is, especially because Arya is such a withdrawn character and reserved character. Like, to see them in that moment was one of my favorite times reading a book as a kid was seeing them in that moment. And the openness in there, the intimacy of that scene, which is so good. Um, and it's only replicated later when there's, in, in a totally different context, when with the sharing of names. Yeah. Um, and it's like... And then you don't get the satisfying ending. I, um, um, <laughs> yeah, but I, 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 hope, I hope that Pearlini will return to the series. We will get a... He started uh, writing something else, if I recall correctly. Yeah, he write in the Sea of Stars, which is a really good book. Um, I recommend it to you. Um, it's a sci-fi book, but it's really good. No, no, um, I mean inside, inside Alagaeja's universe. I remember seeing oh, a tweet or something. 
that he started writing again, but I don't remember oh, nice. exactly what was it. I must have missed that. I must have missed that. Um, I think it's about Angela. Oh yes, the witch, the worm, and the yeah something. This yeah, could yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, and then let me think. Um, what else? Were oh right, uh, Harry Potter. Um, Harry, of course, because he's an orphan child who mm-hmm. has been through so much, and yet is one of the strongest characters in all of fiction. Um, and I love, especially like here's a, I like here's the thing. Like he's a child. Um, yeah. And it's. I think it's sometimes it's and easy an to abused that. and traumatized child yeah, as well. Even from eleven years old. Yeah, even from before that, like um, he was abused by the Dursleys, um, and like he's been through so much, and yet he's such a strong character. And like people say, oh no, he shouldn't have been Gryffindor. No, yes, he should have. He was the the inner strength and bravery and nobility inherent in this character is one of the. Like, everyone's like, oh, he's a copycat of, you know, all these earlier heroes. But yeah, in a way, sure, he's an orphan, but that's about it. There's this inner strength. What sets him apart is the inner strength at the age of 11. At the age of 11, to face a man who... Killed his own parents. Killed his own parents. And, like, the strength, the strength of inner character that it would take to... I could never do... What Harry did, even in his universe, I can never do that. Like Harry is a uniquely strong character of both heart and mind, mm-hmm. and he is also an inspiration for us all. I feel, and I, you know, he should also be uh, looked up to because he is one of the greatest characters to ever uh, be done. And um, for all of J.K. Rowling's issues, and she's got a doozy of them. Uh, writing <laughs> Harry Potter the way she did, writing Harry's character the way she did is not one of them. Um, uh, also from that series, I also love Luna, um, yeah, who too. is a rock for all of Harry's issues and all of the and all the lack of support he gets. And his don't get me wrong, I love Hermione and Ron. They're great friends. They're the best of friends. Luna provides this rock and this strength that allows him to grieve in over serious in a way that no one else can quite do because no one quite understands Harry the way Luna does um, and this is why I was sorely disappointed with you about the final Harry um, yeah. because it was like she's my OTP she, she was a better friend and I would and she also played a better girlfriend role in the lighter two books than any other character like I get the draw of Penny and Carmine and Harm. Harmony. 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 Harmony, that's what it is. And Harmony, like, I get it. And I was one of those people who thought that Hermione was going to be the pairing because it made sense. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is a strength in Luna's character that matches so well with Harry. Um, Because for as strong as a character as he is, for as much lifting up of the world as he does for everyone else there's no one that really kind of holds him up mm-hmm. um at least going in towards both and having someone like luna that allowed him to process his grief and allowed him to move forward like like it's no shame like there's no surprise that one of his children is named after because 
And, it, and, and like, one of the things I love is that she's the only living character that one of his children is named after. And it's like, mm-hmm. she did him a greater service in the last two books than a lot of characters in the entire series. And it is, they work, uh, they would have worked as a couple so well. Um, just, there was, there's a bonding there that I don't think that would have set up a nice foundation for something more that I, I, that I don't think anyone else could have met. Um, for sure. For sure. Um, do you plan on writing original fiction in the future? Oh, man. Uh, I would love nothing more. I'll, I'll start with, let me start with that. I would love nothing more. However, what I do want to do first is finish all my current fan fiction stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because not just what I have out now, but what I'm planning to write. Because I feel that that is a service I owe to the fandom because they are stories that make the fandom richer and more complex and expand the fandom in hopefully new ways. And I feel, and there's stories I want to tell. First and foremost, I'm a storyteller. Um, and that, that's what I always say is I am a storyteller. Before I'm a writer, before I'm a reader, I am a storyteller. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell these stories. And there are stories I feel deserve to be told. And I would like to tell them and then tell my own stories. Um, however, as for original fiction one day maybe um <laughs> it is uh it's something i would love to do um and i think i could do it um but um we'll see it's it is not it's not an end all like it's like one of those bucket list kind of things i would like to yep. write a book before i die right mm-hmm. um but i it's okay if i don't um you know and it's like <laughs> it's not your I'm, end goal it's not even that it's not my end goal um it's just it's not I'm not going to stick everything on it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I wish I had that drive to do so, but I don't. Um, and I'm not going to... Force yourself? You know, force it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, what do you wish there was more of as far as tropes and characters or pairings? Uh, more well-written Harry Luna. Yeah, my me God. too. I wish. Um, oh, my God. Uh, more well-written Percy Annabeth. Um, Just more well-written... Percy Jackson in general and crossovers. For sure, but like the reason I specifically go for that one is that people love doing one of my, betrayals. One of, my, one of my biggest problems in, uh, with Percy Jackson and Perkabeth in particular mm-hmm. is that I feel that no one, except for in like one story, which is like a complete AU that takes place in the Roman era uh, in the Roman Empire, Ooh. like aside from that. Like, it's a Tale of Golden Leaves or something. I forget what, this, what the title is. A Crown of Golden Leaves or something. And besides that one story, no one has quite written Pergabeth. No one has written Pergabeth anywhere close to the quality with which Riordan has done it. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things, like, here's the thing, like, when it comes to fandoms, I feel like the pairing that we don't get to see in canon are the ones that are best explored in fanfiction. Um, you know, because it's a whole new outlet, and that's why I prefer not to read Hinny stuff. Because it's like I have Hinny in canon, and I'm okay, and I'm 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 happy with what J.K. Rowling gave me. Mm-hmm. I want something else yep. in my fan fiction. Um, you know, like it's not that I think Hinny's a bad idea. It's just that I want you're satisfied at already. Already, I'm satisfied with what I got in canon. I want more, which is ironically completely different from what happens in the Harden cycle. 
but we don't get that. Um, <laughs> and we, I want more Aragon Arya. I want more Aragon Arya because this is obviously the pairing that should have been. Yep. I want more. Um, you know, um, and then, um, yeah, uh, as far as tropes, uh, I don't know. Um, my problem, my, my thing is, is so many have been written so poorly. Um, you kind of get one. We were talking about, sure, go here's for. one. We were talking about this on the, on the Harry Gaffin server, uh, and me and Ben Glory Sound, the author, mm. um, and we've kind of been looking at this and we might actually do this one day. Writing a Harry Potter universe story where there's an actual aristocracy and doing it well, like, oh, like not making it so stupid as it is in so many fan fiction, including my own. Like, it's one of my biggest regrets, um, was including that in my own, um, in, in the new reflection. Like, we want to do a legitimate, like, this is how an, a magical aristocracy could look like and work, and we want to do it. Like this is one. So this is something that we've been talking about back and forth for months. Oh. Um, so yeah, Solid that is sure. definitely. And and that's one of the things like we talked about. Like when you're one of the things that draws you to write stories is like, I haven't seen this done well yet, so I want to do it better. Yeah. Right. Uh, and that's that's one where like, we haven't seen the lordship or the aristocracy thing done right. Let's do it better. Yep. Um, I think the so, best yeah. one, like by far and even that part can get quite boring is on ITT like the political stuff because for sure it's annoying <laughs> lordship and, and, and all the things it's so boring the other, the other problem inherent with that trope is that Harry in Ken is a very young person and has no idea what the fuck is going on like, exactly right like the apologist gets, gets so convoluted and it's made stupid by the fact that Harry is 13, 14, 15, maybe 17 or 18, like, mm -hmm. he's just so young, it's like, this is stupid, because no real person would act like, like, would fall for this. Yeah. Like, like, right? So, um, yeah, so it's like, I would like to see better writing of an aristocracy joke. And I might just have to do it myself. God. <laughs> it's gonna, be, it's gonna be hard. Oh, for sure. I'd, the world building that would have to be done is like huge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, who has helped you most with your writing career, and who is your biggest inspiration, both in the fan fiction world and the traditional liter liter traditional literature? Uh -huh. As far as I can say that word. So, aside from fan fiction, my biggest strength is probably writing poetry. Um, and sorry, I, I didn't hear what you said. Oh, oh I said so. One of my biggest. Uh, my biggest, um, one of my biggest strengths outside of writing fan fiction is writing poetry. Ah, poetry. Um, and so I fell in love with Shakespeare's sonnets mm -hmm. uh, when I was in school, and I fell in love with Dickinson and Frost when I was in school. Mm. Um, and and it's funny because I do a lot of freestyle poetry. Like I don't do writing poetry, and um, and so and all three of them. Have either have poems that rhyme, or do something, you know, in in certain schemes that I just don't adhere to. But like, my whole draw to poetry is from Robert Frost, Emily Dickinson, and William Shakespeare, uh -huh. and just this love for what poetry can do uh, comes from them. Um, so, yeah, interesting. Um, <laughs> that's then, that's uh, surprising. 
And then for, uh, um, I would say, uh, yeah, as for writing, um, I was very fortunate. Uh, I have, uh, for all the problems I have in my family, um, I was very fortunate that there are a lot of writers in my family. Um, oh, interesting. And it's always, we're always pushing each other to write more. Um, mm-hmm. Granted, no one's published or anything, but like we have a lot of like, like hobbyist writers in our mm-hmm. family. Um, and my grandfather, who passed away years ago, um, he was also a wonderful poet. Um, and his reading, his writing helped me a lot, um, which is interesting because he wrote in Spanish. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, I write almost only in English because it's easier for me. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, he, his poetry was something that uh, really set me on my way to start your writing. That's awesome. I had no idea. Uh, mm-hmm. And in fan fiction, do you have anyone? Um, apples. Yeah, I figured it would be. Um, as 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 anyone who knows me is well aware, Apple Apples is my favorite writer in all of fan fiction, and. I will constantly rave about their work. Um, I love their work so much, um, and um, and so I um, and in return, Apples has been a wonderful friend and has really inspired me and is always motivating me to move forward with my own work. And mm-hmm. I cannot tell you how shell shocked I was the first time. That I got the email notification that told me that Apple Apples was following my work, and I was just I I I give a little fanboy screen because they're an amazing writer, and to have a writer I respect and love and adore so much as a human being, and to have them uh, you know follow take pleasure, my writing, yeah, take pleasure out of your writing, yeah, and you know, and then of course we've connected on Discord and we've become very good friends. Like, to me, like, yeah, apples all the way. Great. Fantastic. What would you say is there one thing that has influenced influenced you as a person, be it a fanfic, a book, a movie, uh, to the point where your life has changed completely? And why do you love that? Uh, so for me, um, it was Star Wars. Um, oh. I, I grew up uh, in the early 2000s, and so I read... Uh, I watched the prequel trilogy first. Um, I was a prequel Ooh. baby. Interesting. Right? Right? Um, and so I, Star Wars opened me up to a love of fantasy and mm-hmm. sci-fi. Uh, and um, I would not have my love of it now if it wasn't for Star Wars. Um, it opened up a whole new universe to me. And I remember as a kid reading the Jedi Apprentice and Jedi Quest books. Mm-hmm. Um, and, just being, and that also drew me to a love of reading. And I was just, Star Wars inspired so much of my love of reading and writing and storytelling that would not be there if I hadn't watched, you know, the first six movies as a kid. Um, and I would not, I would be a very different person today. Uh, and one that I'm not sure I would like without Star Wars. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I love that. Um, if you could give our listeners some advice about becoming writers, what would it be? What would be Not the best thing to focus on as a novice writer? Oh goodness, that's that's a that's a tough question. Um, yeah, <laughs> well, I'm sure that there are a lot of people who would say 
you know, just start writing, just start storytelling. And while, yes, that's all fine, well, and good, um, I recommend this for anyone who's considering writing a story. Um, work on some grammar first. Um, and that's, <laughs> that is and really that, helps. Probably, uh, huh? Like, like, here's the thing. Your story idea could be great. Um, but if I can't read what you're writing, um, I'm not going to read your story and I'm not going to stick along. Um, and so, like, I feel like, uh, I, so yes, write and tell your stories, but while you're doing it, pay attention to how you're writing because I can guarantee that there's going to be a lot of people who will drop a story just because they can't read your writing. Um, you know, make sure you capitalize the letters properly. Use Grammarly. Yeah, use Grammarly, sure. Um, and that, that probably sounds horrible and basic, but it's like, one of the biggest flaws I see with new stories is grammar. And it's like, yes, they're a new writer, but this is a lot, a lot of the times it's basic stuff that they shouldn't be missed. Yep. But just like a rough look over, you know. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. Look over your stories. Reread them. Read it before you post it, because, you know, like, read, and here's, here's what I always recommend. And whether you're writing a story or an essay or whatever, when you read over a story, Say it out loud. How yep. does it sound? Yep. Right? That's a big because one. more often than not, you will catch a lot of errors that way. For sure. Yeah. That's one of the best advices possible. for, Especially for dialogue. Like, if you can't say yeah. the, the sentence in one breath, it then it's too long. Yep. If it sounds weird coming out of your mouth, it has no place in your story. So, what would you recommend as far as story? Oh, goodness. Um... Anything by Apple, Apple's. Sure. Um, <laughs> Figured that. It's, their whole, their whole catalogs. Read it. It's good. Which is amazingly big. Apple's is easily the best Star Wars fan fiction writer, and one of the best Harry Potter fan fiction writers. Um, and in general, the best fan fiction writer that there is, and no one can tell me different. Um, and uh, but I guess for like the specific story, mm-hmm. um, it's not complete yet. Um. But I will recommend Crashing into Darkness. It's by Septimus Prince. It's uh, it's been an amazing story so far. Um, I'm looking really forward to seeing where Septimus goes with it. Um, Septimus is a good friend of mine, mm-hmm. um, and so you know, I'm not just typing their stuff, but like, what I is the story about? Enjoy it. Uh, so it's a wrong boy who lived kind of thing. Uh, Harry goes into Slytherin. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's supposed to be a Harry Astoria pairing, which is you know not one of those pairings that you find very often. And uh, you guys know me; I'm a very picky uh, pairing reader. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm one of the most picky pairing readers ever. Uh, um, yeah, most. Because well. I more, I more often than not read a story for the romance than anything else. Yep. Um, yeah, I romance is like the number one thing for me in a story. Is it done well? Who's it with? Like, And so I'm very picky about yeah. pairings I read. And um, so Harry's story isn't one that I would typically like or enjoy, but I have faith in Sectimus, and Sectimus has done well so far, so I will recommend uh, Crashing in the Darkness. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Phoenix, for chatting with us today, and thank you, listeners, for sticking around. 
Next time we will be interviewing Cripples, and I hope to see you all again. Keep reading and review an author you love. You could really make their day or even make a new friend. Thank you. Bye-bye.